What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. And when I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. can't expect that everyone is as passionate about racing as we are. We can't expect that everyone is able to hear the silent call of the sea at 5am. Not everyone possesses the ability to smell the difference between rich and lean. nor the ear to differentiate the bark of two cylinders from four. It would not be fair of us to assume that the world understands the yearning and overwhelming compulsion that we have to push through pain, angst, frustration and failure. Some people might not understand the desire to test physical limits, conquer fear, or to tangle with the forces of gravity and physics. But we don't make product for them. look to the future, but embrace our past. We study, we analyze, we race on Sunday so we can innovate on Monday. We exercise trial and error religiously. through our commitment to the pursuit of perfection. We learn. How to make products for the people that are capable of dedicating everything to sport. Whether there is a championship involved or not. Alpine stars, one goal, one vision.
Bolo here from Grundle. Kingsley turns that five sideways. Brian, the gate is down. This is a sharp left-hander. Who's going to shot? Looks like Darcy Lange on that Richmond Gallon. Kawasaki gets the jump. That's where it all started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, Viral Goggle Bread, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by Fly Racing and FMF. I'm your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, we've got a couple of my favorites. He's a repeat offender. He's a builder of many, many retro uh, replica bikes and uh, a connoisseur of, uh, of two-stroke mixing gas. He goes by the name of Matt Weller. Matt, how's it going? Fantastic, Brad. How are you? Hey, I'm not doing too bad whatsoever. My Cowboys were able to shut out the San Francisco 49ers. Not a not a, a large feat by any means, but certainly better than the uh, the Green Bay Packers did this weekend. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You don't want to mention anything about football whatsoever? No, no. I'm here to talk about uh, 90s Moto. Fair enough. We're talking 90s moto, and if we're going to do so, we're going to do so with a gentleman who's pretty darn good at uh, allowing us 90s motocross uh, fanatics uh, recreate that look, recreate that style that we loved so much. He goes by the name of Marcus Jones, and uh, how's my friend from the black and gold doing? Uh, We're doing well. Good evening, guys. No doubt. Big Ben absolutely shredding it this weekend. I think Martavius Bryant is out of that uh, team uh, big time. But most people who are listening to this podcast don't know uh, two shits about football. We're going to talk uh, 90s motocross. Sound good, boys? Absolutely. All right. Now, before we get too far into this, uh, let's get some particulars on uh, the new guy on the block. We know all too well about Matt and his builds and how awesome his bikes are and how gorgeous they are and how much we want to buy them. And uh, we'll hear hear a little bit about some of the bikes that he's got rolling down the next little while. But Marcus, I'd like to get a little bit of background story on you. Let let my my listeners know who you are and kind of why we uh, we selected you for this. Not only your history with uh, motocross, but uh, the the company that you uh, represent. Oh man, it's a it's a long one, but uh, I'll try to make it short and sweet. So uh, yeah, I'm from uh, Primal X. We've been doing graphics for uh, quite a while now. We um, we actually started off as a motorcycle shop uh, and service back in 1995. And uh, I didn't jump on until a little bit later. Um, it was founded by my older brother, Michael. Um, not to be confused with Mad Mike Jones. This is Big Mike Jones. Um, but, yeah, so we started off at service and um, heading into the early 2000s. Um, we were doing great. Um, kind of ran into some trouble during the, the recession time around 2008, and we closed our doors. And uh, we're trying to wonder, you know, how we we're going to stay relevant. So uh, 2010, we, we opened back up uh, doing motor, uh, motocross graphics, and uh, we've been doing that ever since. So, 
Awesome. And you guys turn out some of the real, the coolest looking kits, uh, totally custom and, uh, and one of a kind. And that can be f- featured and seen on, uh, just about all of Matt's bikes, whether it be a totally throwback, uh, kit or, uh, kind of a, a clash of the, of the new school and the old school coming together. Uh, obviously something that a lot of people kind of look for is that they don't want their bike to look dated. They want it to look edgy and fresh, but they also want to bring back some of those old school looks. You guys can achieve that. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, yeah, you know, it's what we it's what we try to do, and and we're really uh, stoked to be a part of projects. Um, we really enjoy being part of the scene. Um, motocross is what we live for. Awesome. Now, uh, Matt, I know you've uh, gotten a few kits over the years. Uh, what what are some of the kits that can be featured on your your Instagram that people can maybe uh, ogle and uh, and get a good sense of what uh, of what Primal X is able to achieve. Um, they can all be seen on my Instagram at mweller572. Um, currently, I've got my 94 RM125 posted up, as well as my um, 2000 RM250 that was kind of a um, Suzuki of Troy, Jeremy McGrath-themed uh, throwback. <laughs> Yeah, it was. And, and, uh, honestly, uh, Marcus, you guys did an amazing job on this. Uh, I, I, I bust my, uh, Matt's balls every day for going with the modern <laughs> front fender and front number plate. But, uh, but I digress. An amazing job on, uh, on the number plates, the fenders, you name it. You guys did a great job and, uh, it looks really professionally done. Um, was there a bit of a learning curve or a little bit of a uh, uh, a genesis of how you guys were able to, to come up with really great product, good printing uh, materials, as well as uh, getting those really sharp inks and, and, and a printer that can pull off those those looks? Because all too often you get a, a a graphic kit, and if it's not the right kind of printer, if things aren't total, if the edges aren't really sharp, uh, that really affects. Regardless of how cool the design might be, it really affects the finished product. Yeah, yeah, and it does. Um, as far as R&D is concerned, we've spent countless hours. Um, all of our templates, um, they're not purchased. They're, you know, a lot of, a lot of these, uh, fly by night companies, they'll go and they'll purchase templates. Um, we trace all ours by hand. Um, we have a local shop here where we go in and, and we trace all our templates so everything is guaranteed fitment. Um, as far as printers are concerned, um, we have the top of line materials, um, both inkjet and thermal printing. Um, we don't play around. Uh, we can match any design. We can, you know, do chromes. We can do glow in the dark, which has been a big hit on our uh, Instagram um, with with this new bike life culture. Um, materials we we've, we've actually spent a long time studying those um, with the the thickness of the compound, whether it be a 21 mil or a 15 mil laminate or this and that. You know, we mix matched a lot and in different climates as well, whether it be you know, Miami, Florida, or the snowmobiles of Alaska. We wanted to find compounds that fit both, that were pliable, that were breathable, that didn't have too many bubbles. And uh, I think we have a great product, and, and I think our customers are going to be happy. No doubt. And, uh, and and honestly, one of your, your, your kits can be featured and found on uh, Alta Motorsports. Uh, and that, that's basically uh, the, the gold standard of kind of setting in the, the catch in the eye and, and that new wave of, of motorcycles. Obviously, the electric bike, the Alta Motorsports, uh, the red line. Uh, How did you guys get connected with those guys and putting that together, kit, get, kit together for uh, what looks like uh, um, a bit of a like kind of a uh, – supermoto style bike yeah so that that's the the bike of uh one of our athletes uh by the name of quarter t you guys can follow him on instagram 
uh, an awesome, awesome stunt rider. Uh, does a lot of stunt work for music videos, Hollywood. Um, I, b- I believe he does work with uh, Usher. Actually, I know he does. I don't know why I said I believe. But anyway, yeah, he does work for Usher. Um, so, yeah, so uh, we had spoken with him and Alta, and, and they were going to uh, hook him up with a bike. Um, and, and, and they asked us to, to do the graphics for it. And absolutely, we're not going to turn that down. So. No kidding. Like uh, I, I can't imagine the headaches that the Alta is going to have when more of the of the bike life individuals get their hands on those because it's awfully difficult to hear where those individuals happen <laughs> to be tricking when you can't hear them. Uh, and, yep. uh, and and the bikes do look good, and uh, it looks like that you can wheelie an Alta just as well as you can wheelie uh, just about anything. Those guys are super talented. Matt, how far can you carry a wheelie? Because I can go uh, maybe about fifty feet. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, if, if, if I do do a, a long catwalk, it's completely by accident. I'm usually falling off the back of the damn thing. But, uh, um, Marcus, where did you, like, did you yourself start doing a lot of the graphic design? I am sure in its infancy, it was probably a lot more archaic than it is right now. And, uh, how does your skill set evolve with the demands of people wanting more edgy things, more challenging graphics, and just, uh, like, as, like, trying to come up with things that haven't been seen before yeah uh it's it's always a challenge um you know i was just telling matt earlier during the conversation we were having um when i first started doing graphics uh 96 i was a kid uh cutting pictures out of a a motocross action magazine of uh, one industry graphics and kind of mod podging them together and um going back and, and looking at those designs and and how we've come so far today it's you know it's Every day we try to get better. Um, I, I never consider my work my best work. I'm always trying to evolve. Um, what I really like about the difference between motocross and this bike life culture is that I can marry different styles together, um, constantly pushing the envelope. Um, I find my inspiration all kinds of places, whether it be through music or uh, you know social media, movies. Um, I like to do you know, watch 80s movies and then try to bring some of those elements back. Um, uh, really, my inspiration comes from my customers, and uh, and I really owe it to them, you know, uh, for pushing us and, and me in specifically um, with our designs. So, um, you know, each, each day is, is something new. I, I go to sleep thinking about graphics, and I wake up thinking about graphics. You know, uh, I talk to Matt, and he's like, hey, we need to try this. And I'm like, you know what? Yes, we do. You know, <laughs> it's it's like that. It's every day. It's just uh, an evolving monster. So, yeah. Well, Matt is the guy with the ideas. He's always uh, ideas, always spinning in his head to uh, to bring back that '90s moto, or even uh, try some new stuff on the motorcycles. Now, where can people find uh, Primal X on social media? Where can they uh, kind of? Uh, is there a website that they can go to? How can they get in touch with you guys? Yeah, they can go to primalxonline.com, or they can meet us. Uh, on Instagram at Primal X Motorsports, uh, same thing for Facebook, and uh, we're we're pretty reachable. We've got somebody on the Instagram at all times. Either uh, you know, I jump on there quite a bit during the during the day uh, when I'm not designing, but there's always two or three people that are on there that can answer their questions. So awesome, man! Well, uh, please 
for those who are listening and need new graphics, and by, honestly, we're at the end of the summer. Most of us need new graphics. We've been hammering them all summer long uh, for those that uh, that have uh, a shorter riding, riding season. And uh, if you have a longer riding season, chances are you've probably been hammering them your graphics all year long and it's time for a new set as well so please go check out uh primal x and uh and get these guys uh dialed up for your machine like i said fitment guarantee and some pretty eye-popping uh designs now let's uh let's uh kind of dive a little bit deeper into uh the love of two-wheel motorcycles uh two-wheel uh motorsports and uh, the exhilaration that comes with it uh marcus i ask you this what was your first memory of uh supercross motocross and uh where does that passion where are the roots laid with that passion right there? Oh, man. You know, I tell you, it goes back to early 90s. <laughs> we, um, I, I kind of paint the picture for you. Um, we didn't have uh, central air. It was a hot summer night, um, probably 100 degrees. Um, we had fans, no air conditioner. And uh, I was rifling through some old VHS tapes um, that my brothers have recorded. And I found one that said David Bailey on it. And I threw it in there and, you know, sitting there with my brother, my older brother, Ryan, and, you know, reading some popcorn and, and, uh, on pops this documentary of the 86 Anaheim Supercross. And from that time, I just, man, nothing beats that night. I tell you, I try to recreate that all throughout my life. Nothing beats that night, that feeling that I had of excitement. I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever, you know? And, and since then, um, you know, let's say 91, 92, um, my parents wouldn't let us have motor, motorcycles. So my two older brothers, which are 16 and 17 years older than I was, um, they'd actually purchase bikes and they were hiding them in a barn at my neighbor's house. So they would, uh, you know, when my parents would go to work, we would sneak up, uh, to, to my neighbor's farm and, and ride these bikes. And, and from that time, it's, it's just been motocross ever since. Def Leppard, ACDC, motocross. No doubt. Well, there we go. Uh, like the 86 Anaheim, that's kind of a staple. That's like the, uh, like that, that, that is the, the holy grail of motocross races, right. especially in the eighties. Uh, everyone who has ever watched that would agree. It's one of the, it's one of the greatest of all time. Uh, Matt, where, where, where did it start for you, my friend? Uh, at, at what point did you stop watching, uh, Roger Staub? No, not Roger Staubach. Uh, Bart, Bart Star, Bart Star, and uh, and start uh, picking up motocross because honestly, between nineteen seventy nine ish and uh, and Brett Favre, you guys didn't you didn't have really much to watch as far as Green Bay went. Well, I didn't know what uh, football was. I didn't know what sports were. I I'm yeah, st- I still argue that you might not. So, I would have to say it was the early 90s. Um, I want to think back to the, the race. Was, was, what? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Where um, Damon Bradshaw had his meltdown season and threw away that championship. That was about the beginning for me. Um, again, the races were always tape delayed, you know, weeks and weeks after the the yeah, races yeah, aired yeah. Uh, you know, we had them all on VHS tapes, and uh, that that was about the, the earliest I remember. Um, beyond that, um, my my folks didn't have anything to do with um, motorcycles or anything like that, so I didn't ever really have anything of my own. But my uncle had raced, 
and he still had motorcycles and his kids rode. And so I'd go over there every chance I got and I would ride their stuff. And, um, it, it was just, uh, it was kind of in my blood from there and I, I couldn't give it up. Well, no doubt. Now, my uh, my first recollection or connection with motocross is actually rather obscure, mainly because um, I didn't really grow up with a lot of the, the magazines and the like. Motocross, for the most part, wasn't on Canadian television whatsoever, um, especially in the, in the late '90s. Like that was just the infancy of the CMRC, and there, we didn't have a package that even carried Supercross races. You kind of had to, uh, like, I guess they, they might have been on on ESPN two if you could get that channel. You just straight up couldn't get it back in the day. So uh, I I like I grew up fully believing that John Sebastian Waugh, uh, Marco Dubé, and uh, Blair Morgan were basically the 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 king's ransom of motocross racers uh, until I until I uh, flipped open my first uh, motocross action or um, I guess it probably would have been Racer X uh, in the late '90s, early 2000s to find out that uh, that there's this whole other world south of the border. But uh, honestly, the thing that sticks out to me the most, and it's a graphic kit that one day I will most likely have uh, have to get someone to recreate for me, Marcus, um, is that. Uh, Marco Dubé in 2000 or 1999 raced. Uh, it was for. Uh, it was a, basically the the Morgan Racing Suzuki team, and that year they ran a. Uh, it was a retro. It was a retro esque uh, graphic kit that involved the three different Suzuki cut, like the three different shades of blue from Suzuki, and had like the old Suzuki, uh, like the, the the Rising Sun logo, and it was totally throwback, and I just remember looking at that bike being like, that is so cool. He had a vented front number plate on it, and it was just looked so so cool, and it didn't have like the pre-printed numbers, it just had like white backgrounds with the, the big number 18s on there, and uh, to me that was the coolest looking motorcycle, and and uh, I think that kind of uh, plays into the fact that myself, as as a fan of motocross, as a, a supporter of motocross, has always been about kind of the the look and the fashion to me. I love the way that bike looked, and uh, maybe I'll have to send a picture of that to to Marcus. He can start to noodle around with how I can get my hands on a 2000 RM and make my dream come true. Absolutely, send it over. Absolutely, my friend. Now, uh, who, who did like of the the '90s moto guys? Like, like who? Like, were you guys an Emig fan? Were you a McGrath fan? I think uh, we probably know the answer to that, Matt. Uh, but uh, like, who who are your like absolute stalwarts as far as who you kept your eye on and who you were rooting for to to read about the results in Cycle News or calling one nine hundred Pro Race uh, and just <laughs> racking up your your parents' uh, phone bill uh, for either one of those. All right, Matt, you want to take this one first? Yeah, uh, like we we spoke before on other pods, um, McGrath. I mean, he was, and that was I was of that age. He was he was the up and comer. That was when I really got into it. Um, I, I would say he was probably my favorite rider um, all the way out to his retirement, and uh, in the big bike class, in, in the little bike class, um, I was a huge Doug Henry fan and a huge. Um, Damon Huffman fan. Those were two of my favorites. Oh, you got you got good taste in uh, in those guys, my friend. Those guys are are kind of like your your who's who, and they do an amazing job. Um, and what about uh, what about you, Marcus? I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with the same. I mean, um, you know, guys like Jeremy, Ezra Lusk, um, Doug Henry. Obviously, I had a chance to meet Doug a few times, and super nice guy. Um, got a chance to meet Jeremy in '96 at Steel City. 
um, yeah, I mean, those guys were, they were just, uh, you know, heroes to us, man. And, uh, pioneers of the sport, you know, that they were. Um, so, um, as far as a graphic kit, like, who, wh- like when were you first asked or kind of proposition to make a retro kit, Marcus? And, and how often are you asked to do so? Because often, like when I, if I run out of ideas or I don't have, don't seem to have like an original idea in my head, which is often, which, which happens often, uh, I just go right back to the retro style. Same thing with, uh, with, with Red Bull Straight Rhythm. Run out of ideas. Let's go two strokes. Let's go retro. Um, when was the first time that someone came up to you? and said i want to buy my my bike to look like it's uh from 20 years ago well i mean i think you know for me i was i've always been doing retro kits to be honest with you i know it sounds terrible but um i'm very sentimental you know i'm very nostalgic um you know uh i'm a big fan of of movies like the, the lost boys and 80s motorcycles so even in the 90s um when i was first you know, able to, to work or manipulate graphics. When I was a kid in, in like 97, um, I would cut graphics on a, on a, on a cutter and I would laminate them manually, um, for people to do retro kits from like, you know, the eighties. So, um, it's, it's always been popular. I I'd say in recent, recent times, I'd probably say it, it hit a big boom. Um, this year has been our biggest year for, for retro kits, um, you know, we do easily, you know, 20, 30 a, m- a month just in retro kits. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's always a trend. People are always, you know, trying to go back to, to the things they had as a kid and, um, you know, we just want to accommodate. Well, the, the, honestly, if anyone could hear the passion of my voice as I spoke about that kit that I saw as a nine-year-old at uh, my very first national, a Canadian national, uh, just basically that's evidence of uh, of the effect that these uh, these these graphic kits have on you. Um, it, like, say if it was something like the the Chrome kit that we saw a little bit of uh, evidence of uh, with with. Brian Villapoto's bike this last weekend. Uh, how attainable is a kit like that? As well as, uh, like, say, if you were doing a 1996 um, like re- retro edition of those particular bikes from PC, because that had a lot of chrome in it. I don't know how difficult that is to recreate. Mm-hmm. Well, there's um, there's a few different processes we can go about to, to uh, kind of recreate that. With Ryan Villapoto's bike, um, I wasn't there personally, but I can only you know speculate from what I know from experience. But there was a company um, called Spectre Chroming in, in Miami, Florida, um, that chromed the plastics. And um, what we've done with some guys in, in, in the bike life scene, they, they get their pa- plastics chromed, and we do uh, a reverse print on uh, a clear laminate and to, to kind of accommodate that so that the, the chrome bike still shows through. Um, with the um, chrome or, or hologram of, Pro Circuit, we have the uh, thermal printer with chrome foils that allows us to do that. We don't have to to do that manually like a lot of companies do. We can do that all um, through the printer. So um, very expensive, but it gets the job done. So. Right on. Now, Matt, I know uh, you're you're a fan of the retro stuff. What 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 do you think's coming down the pipe as far as a kit that you're going to be asking for in the next couple of months here? As uh, I know you j- did uh, recently acquire a, uh, a a KX500. May uh, may you be Big going God. retro with that? Well, yes. Um, locate plastic. That's that's where my struggle is on this particular bike. Uh, particular build that I want to do is 
Um, going to be a pretty tough one. It could be a, a, a few years down the road before I find all the bits and pieces to make it complete. But uh, I've got I've got a bunch of other options going, um, other bikes, I should say. Um, I, I really want to do a 96YZ, um, probably one of my favorite bikes ever. And um, I'm just I'm waiting for the right one to come along. So I've got lots of ideas running with that and um you you've both seen my bradshaw bike that i recently finished up um That's gorgeous i uh i sold or traded <laughs> that and uh i'm looking for another another bradshaw bike i want to build a 1997 um cr250 the manchester honda racing one and uh that will ultimately probably end up being my 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 race bike it'll replace my suzuki that i have Fair enough. And will you go with a 2007 front number plate and front fender combo in that as well? Only because I know you'll love it. I will have words. Don't let him talk to you like that, man. Exactly. No, uh, as Damon would have. As Damon would have preferred, it'll have the the retro look to it. Um, gentlemen, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Um, I've got to I've got to get to my next call, which is Michael Sleater, to talk about straight rhythm. But uh, we'll definitely uh, have the both of you on again to uh, to chat not only '90s moto, but uh, how to get that perfect custom one of a kind look for your motorcycle. Once again, Marcus, if you could throw down the social media and contact info for Primal X, and uh, we'll get that out and we'll get people dialing you up to get a brand new kit as soon as possible. Awesome, Brad. Again, thanks for having me. Uh, again, guys, you can reach us at www.primalxonline.com. And you can reach us on Instagram at Primal X Motorsports. Same with Facebook. Thanks a lot, guys. No problem at all. And Matt, always a pleasure, my friend. Sorry to bust your balls into a pulp like I did. But you know what? I only make fun of those who I love so much. So I must love you quite a bit. That's all right. I know where you're from. I don't, it's fine. Boom, yeah. I've no, I, I, I'm only lashing out because I'm from Canada. Um, Matt, where can people find you on social media? Because you are one damn good follow, my friend. Uh, well, thank you, Brad. Um, Instagram is the best, um, mweller572. Um, I am on Twitter, same handle, mweller572. Unfortunately, I don't keep up on it like I should, but uh, hopefully with more builds, I'll become more and more into it. No doubt, my friend. We'll keep those builds coming. We'll keep pop, we'll posting them out, as well as uh, uh, Motocross Action will be posting them out. That's always cool to see you featured on their page. Uh, I think they uh, I think they happen to like your, your work quite a bit. But uh, And, of course, since they like your work, they must like uh, Primal X, uh, X's work. So if it's good enough for MXA, good enough for me, good enough for anybody else. Really appreciate the time, my friends. Thank you. Awesome. Absolutely, guys. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Let's take a break and listen to some commercials quickly. Then we'll be right back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. FlyRacing.com is the home of quality and innovation. The design team at Fly tirelessly rebuild and retool premium lines like the Evolution 2.0 and Light Hydrogen with features like Zipper Lock to prevent closure failures and EVO's BOA technology, which ensures the perfect fit. Complete your protective gear combo head-to-toe with Fly Racing F2 Carbon MIPS Retrospect and Fly's entry into the premium boot segment with their sector. All products and colorways are available at FlyRacing.com. In motorsports, the action pulls us in, and often we never get close enough to the exhilaration and athletes that amaze us. Although trackside seats are available, 
nothing gets you closer to motocross and supercross action than the collective experience. Dave Drake's has created an exclusive opportunity to get you closer to the sport you love so much. If you want an all-access experience with Adam or Tyler at Dicknap, Henry Miller, John Ames, or even the cat, AJ Catanzaro, you need to check out the collective experience today. The collectivexp.com as well as the collective ex on instagram is where you can find the collective experience do so immediately the collective experience nobody gets you closer what's wrong jeff i don't know jay well you better fuel up with the nutritious breakfast with oats and bran oats and bran i didn't think there was such a that's what i used to think now i start out every morning with a bowl of amigos for extreme kids like us Hey, this is Zach Cummins. All you hosers, quit listening to Nickelback and jump on over to the Big MX Radio Show. With us on the line, we've got none other than Michael Sleater, Sleet Dog. How's it going? Good, man. Just uh, actually uh, doing a little recap of last weekend from my blog, My Two of Life, and uh, then I'm off to BMX with my oldest son. Now that that is both two exciting things. Not only doing BMX, you your old, oldest son uh, getting better and better all the time with that, but uh, your two wheel life. Where can people find out more information on that? Start reading up on your two wheel life at my two two wheel life. Uh, my two wheel life dot com. I just basically kind of go through recapping what, as a dad, as a rider, as a racer, as a test rider, what I've been up to. Um, no sponsors on the on the site. It's just a complete organic blog of, you know, when I get time to let everyone know what I'm up to with the jettings on my bike, the bike builds I'm doing from bike, moto, races I've attended and uh, from bicycles and, and motorcycles, just kind of having fun with it. No alternative motive, just make, keep it organic and, and keeping people informed on what I've been up to. Well, that's awesome, and you're always up to uh, some pretty cool stuff. If you don't, uh, if you don't mind me saying so, uh, whether it be working with uh, KTM USA or uh, or just like all of the the different uh, work that you've been doing over the years, it's uh, it's oh, it's always nice to reconnect with you, my friend. And I do appreciate you taking my call. Always, buddy. Always, it's always a pleasure to share some uh, share some bench racing with yourself. No kidding. Well, th- this is usually a pretty ex- exciting time for you because not only Day of the Dirt come in, is on the, the far horizon, but uh, the World Vet National Championships is only two weeks away. And that's an- that would be a busy, busy enough schedule as it is. But on top of that, not only are you mixing gas, hauling ass, but you're doing so at the Red Bull Straight Rhythm. How did that come about? Man, that was, uh, yeah, that was, that was kind of a joke that, that I – my buddy uh, Jeremy Mallett, who's the creator and innovator of the Red Bull Straight Rhythm. He works at Red Bull and been a longtime friend of mine. And um, I really, the, the ship sailed, to be honest, with pretty much any Supercross event for myself. I hadn't raced any Supercross style events since 2010. 
And uh, as soon as I found out their two strokes were invited, I was like, Jeremy, get me in. And he was like out of the gate. Yeah, dude, awesome. Irrelevant, credible, not machine. Let's do it. Then I kind of, to be honest, I backed out like, uh, he kind of put money where my mouth was. And I was like, oh, dude, I'm not really uh, suited and booted for that. And, Supercross uh, suspension, days, ow. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I basically just threw the flag like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't have this skill set anymore. Um, I, it, like I said, seven years, in the last seven years, I rode it for three days last year with Morris doing some testing and Morris does all our, all of our testing for Red Bull KTM on the Supercross track and I stick to the production and the outdoor stuff. So it was a little bit out of my comfort zone. I had a few, he and Jeremy completely understood. And then he said, well, if your mind changes, let me know. It clearly changed. Um, about a week before the event, I called up, uh, Dean Potts at Bonanza Plumbing. He supplies my two stroke for me. We uncovered the bike. We put a new 300 kit on it. We borrowed Pierce Brown suspension from the Twirly Designs Red Bull KTM team that he raced at Monster Cup. And we showed up Thursday before the event to start Braxton. Boom. Just uh, just like that. And uh, for those who don't know, Michael Sleater, no stranger to the, the Supercross confines of a Supercross race, but uh, brand new to straight rhythm. Uh, how long had it been since you hit a Supercross triple, man? Um, shit. A year, but before that was six years, and then, um, yeah. To be honest, I I I was quite nervous. Um, I I kind of thought I bit off a little more than I could chew, but my whole mindset going in was, I knew I was kind of an alternate because we had to qualify to the top eight. There were twelve guys, right? And and I just was like, hey, you know, if I get in, it's going to be because someone makes a mistake or a misfortune, and if I'm not willing to take a risk that you know, the younger guys that this would be a race that could catapult their career would be this. This was not an, uh, an alternative motive. This was mainly for me and myself, my wife and my kids and some friends to have fun on a Saturday and, and stay safe. And, and we accomplished that. That you did. And, uh, so like when you were already, uh, nervous, like you said, um, were you at all, uh, eased by that to know that your, uh, one of your, uh, gear teammates, uh, another person riding answer was going to be riding, uh, your, your first heat with you? Or were, were, or did that not really help the fact that that was 15 time AMA national, cha- uh, like, uh, national champion Ryan Villapoto? Well, to be honest, that's kind of where I'd like to talk about is, the vibe of the event, the structure of the event, what was going on is Red Bull does it proper. They, they do. They have, I've never been doing, I've done a lot of events from AMA Supercross, AMA Motocross, uh, Jeremy McGrath Invitational, X Games Supercross, Works Racing, National Hair, and I did a AMA Big Six. I've pretty much touched as many events, they're German Supercross, Canadian Outdoors. I'd like to say I've done a lot of stuff, but this was bar none the best event for a rider as far as communication from the promoter, the track builder, and what we needed as a rider to be safe and do our best to put on a show because that's what that was, you know. Um, and the biggest driving factor was Trey Kennard. Trey Kennard, that that guy, was so patient with us. He wanted, he was there basically as the riders' union spokesperson, hired by Red Bull to speak for us to them. So there wasn't a bunch of different people telling them what they needed. It was one person. So we communicate to Trey. Trey would communicate to Dream Tracks. 
and Red Bull of what the riders felt they wanted to change or not change. And from the moment we set our tires on that dirt, it was nothing but positive energy from all of us riders to Trey and then Trey to Red Bull and Eric Pinard as well. Um, it was just, you're, you were, you were there. You didn't have to pay to ride first of all, because you were the show, which we know that we have to pay like 300 bucks to race the Supercross, which is Supercross, which is bullshit in my opinion. Yep. Um, we we got plenty of time on the track. Changes were made according to a mass consensus and what Trey Kennard thought was best because um, he has the credibility. He has the credentials, and he has the communication. So yeah, he, and he and knows he, what's he, not safe because, let's be honest, he's hit the ground a few times. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he wants to he, – he has no alternative motive. His new program, The Standard, I believe he calls it, uh, it's just phenomenal. Um, I really hope uh, – Feld gives him the platform that he deserves because Red Bull sure did. And, you know, working with them and Dream Tracks and, and the riders that the rider camaraderie at this event was like nothing I've ever seen. You know, like it was, we were talking about gearing from rider to rider, like jetting and setup. And you don't get that. And we're not curing cancer in motocross or supercross. We're out racing motorcycles in the dirt. So I know we're OEM based, but to see the camaraderie and the, from every rider was just so, so surreal and so, like, lifting. It was it was really fun. It looked like fun. And honestly, that's got to, uh, like, not only from the safety of knowing that uh, you got a guy like Trey who you can go to if something's not safe or you're not comfortable with something, something can get changed. But uh, from that camaraderie, it just takes the animosity and the, that anxiousness away so that you can just go out and do your thing, which is, I think, the mo- probably the most important thing for uh, the the skill level that you guys have is that you just go out and, and go do you know you can just act to the best of your ability, which isn't which honestly you can't say for for all events. Yeah, I mean honestly, like T and Shag get hurt, and John John Ames get hurt, and even Tapia he got hurt. Um, you know, I I, I think a lot of it the two stroke thing is, sounds really fun, right, people. And and then you know especially Chad Chad's bike was so badass looking it was such a sick bike like all his all his parts and the way it was basically his championship winning bike but the tracks have changed the he's gained some weight he's not the same Chad that rode that bike and the setups have you know he likes different things and from what I gather just watching him and hearing him talk around it was too forks were too soft and things weren't right what he wanted. Well, I have rode my bike a couple of days before that. I'm familiar with how two strokes run. Um, John John Ames' bike bogged before the finish line. He had to step off and broke his femur. And I think a lot of those things have been, would have been better for guys. Like, you know, everyone laughs at Ronnie Mack, but he rides the shit out of that bike all the time. So he knows it, what it's going to do. He didn't come there not – he came there prepared. It looks, it looks like he's a squirrel, but yeah. he came there prepared. I came prepared. Morris came prepared. Um, Brownie was testing up until, like, he was working on his bike with a mechanic every run. So I think a few of those injuries were based on like, it was a little bit, a little bit harder than they thought it'd be on the two strip with just general setup. But like the Husky, as you can see the Husqvarna KTM guys, because it's new equipment, it's relative to 2017, 18. Those bikes, those bikes shined. 
Oh, absolutely they did. And I, I was impressed to see uh, Brownie go out there and, and actually uh, do his due diligence to go ride a Supercross track. And uh, like his video, he did skip the whoops, and probably that's for the best. Uh, but, uh, yeah, go out there and feel that bike out and know what you're getting yourself into because I think that um, – like people just think like there's a lot of people who would approach that as like oh it's just a different engine it's, it kind of makes power a little bit differently but as long as I carry the same amount of speed uh, I should be able to uh, just like to just ride how I normally ride and honestly that's just not the case um, but yeah like you said the KTM's um, and the Husky and especially uh, one Ryan Sipes's uh, Husky which probably needs new fork oil uh, new just about everything after how many runs he did that guy put some serious time on that bike. Yeah, it, it was cool. I mean, once again, it goes back to the camaraderie, and everyone was smiling at the event. Every, we, we had there was only two, three semis that belonged to KTM, and everyone else was out of vans, and like it just was a very good vibe. It was, it was. I can't say enough about what Red Bull and Dream Tracks, uh, Dane Hare and Jeremy Mallet, um, and even all the riders, man. Just the way everyone was, you know. I'm, I'm one, second oldest guy at the event, but just to see the way it went down and, you know, the way we engaged with the public via social and online was, um, I've heard that was the, that dub that the, the, the tent, the viewership on Red Bull TV was double what it was last year. So that's a great thing. No kidding. And I think that's why their, uh, their stream crashed. Oh, I don't know about 10 times. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> the, U- the YouTube feed was, was flawless. I think there's a lot of people that were griping about the, the, their, their feed. I'm like, you just go over to YouTube. You can get it for free as well. But, uh, yes. yeah, it was really cool to see out there, man. And, uh, I hope that you didn't catch any flack for, for getting beat by a 15 time, uh, champion because, uh, let's be honest, the guy hasn't gotten any slower. No, you know what, dude, RV's a, RV's a class act, you know, um, I got no flack from anyone. I, ne- I didn't. I didn't ever beat him in my prime, and I wouldn't expect to beat him now. So, my, I accomplished what I wanted to do. Um, I, I'm bummed that the guys got hurt. They got hurt. I really am. I'm just stoked that I, I. I stuck to my plan. I hit the sections I wanted to hit. I got through safe. I didn't make an ass out of myself. I didn't make a highlight reel eating shit. And now I turn my focus to that world to defend that race uh, next weekend. No doubt, and that—that's uh, like, like first of all, what bike are you going to be on for that particular event? And uh, before you talk about that bike, um, how awesome was this 300 cc two-stroke? How like, and how difficult for it was for for you to dial it in as far as the the jetting and the and the and the gearing wise? Because uh, that's something that I feel like. Uh, with the with the, the the bringing on of of electric fuel injection and all that fun stuff, it's kind of like the tinkering has gone away from the sport a little bit. Yeah, I have. The, speaking of tink, yeah, you guys know I had tinkering. I built that in my garage, my neighbor. Yeah. Um, we built put the KTM Power Parts 300 kit on it. The uh, from Dean Potts, he uh, bought that for his personal 300 or 250 that I ride when I ride a two stroke and bolted the 300 kit on. I used the 250 SX um, C, uh, ECU, the ignition box, not 300 ECU. I used the standard um, power valve spring. I have 2019 spec jetting, um, and uh, yeah, the thing I used, I started with a 1452 rear sprocket for straight rhythm, and I went back down to a 1450, which is standard for the 250 SX, so I was in between gears, so that's that's the setup I ran with 48 mil cone valve uh, WP forks from uh, pre-valve for Supercross, and a standard shock valve for Supercross, so that that's it, that was the setup. Nothing, nothing crazy. 
Boom. And, and it performed quite well. Uh, as far as uh, comfortability uh, within the transitions and stuff like that, uh, it looked like one of the more polished uh, uh, Supercross-esque tracks that, I, that I've seen. Uh, obviously, the guys from uh, that do uh, the Dirtworks guys do a great job. They are under the gun, but the like the, the edges and all of the, 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 like, basically, like, all the sides of the track even looked really well done. Yeah, I, I will. This is not to, down, to talk bad about anyone, but Dream Tracks fit and finish, and the way they build it is better than what I used to race in the Supercross. And what I've seen, I haven't been on a Supercross track in the last four years, or you know, down on the field and and a while or race. So I'm speaking from my experience in 2010, but from what I heard at the race, the the, the way that Jason Baker and the Dream Tracks crew builds theirs is um a better process it's it's you take off from the top of the ramp instead of the midway the consistency from across the whole lane is better um and like i said uh i hope they give trey canard the stage to talk about what needs to change to get better racing um for 2018 and beyond well, no doubt, and of course, we did see some some changes to the Supercross format with some some changes uh, that way. But no talk about uh, whether or not some bike or some, some track changes will be made. Now, looking forward to the Wet World Championships. Unfortunately, my dad has had to pull out of his bid to go ride it as a sixty year old. He'll have to ride it as a sixty one year old next year. But you'll be there and uh, to vet, to to defend your uh, plus thirty championship that you won last year. Um, what uh, what motorcycle will you be riding, and uh, what's the game plan to attack that race that uh, seems to get more attention every single year? I'll be riding a 2017 350 SXF um, with a twisted development cylinder head and SMS exhaust and the new WP air cone valve fork and track shock. So that's my setup. That's that's it. There's um, It's all custom-related. My cylinder head, that's all done to it. Um, it's all stock hardware, pistons, re- piston retainers. Um, we all in the Dell West stuff production. So, um, no standard ECU tune with the, um, KTM power parts, uh, tun- um, tuner, but, um, just nothing else different. So, um, that's it. I'm super stoked on the bike. Um, I've been pretty beat up the last couple a uh, couple months since I dislocated my shoulder on a mountain bike. So this will be my first big race back, and I'm still not quite 100%. So it came up on me fast, but uh, I look forward to racing. Not I'm not in the form I was last year, that's for damn sure, but I will do my best to hunker down and make it happen. Well, no doubt, man. We, we wish you the best of luck with that. I hope that uh, you're able to uh, um, just – Ride to the best of your ability. I know shoulder issues is no 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 laughing matter. Uh, I've had my own issues with that stuff, and uh, and hopefully you're able to just uh, to, to ride the way you know how. Yeah, that's that's the plan. Just like that's all I do, man. I only I have nothing to prove. I work for the best OEM in the business, and I want to keep my job. And if I'm hurt, I can't work. So um, the guys that you race at the Vet Worlds are usually a class act too, like Travis Preston and. Yeah. And last year we had um, Coppins come over, which was rad. Um, you know, you got Collier. It, it doesn't get easier. And I, I, I'm getting, I'm on the upper age of the 30 class, so I, I don't feel it. But yeah, I'm, I'm not the young buck in the 30 pro class anymore. 
Fair enough. And of course, now you, you got the power delivery of a beautiful uh, FMF exhaust system. I know you've got a great relationship with those guys. If you could touch on that briefly before uh, we let you get to the B- BMX track. Yeah, um, the Emler family, Little D, Big Donnie, um, George, the whole crew, FMF, I've been using their stuff since 1999. I had a two-year stint where I didn't use it because of just um, just basically resources that were given to me by another pipe manufacturer to get to the races. And as soon as I was able to land a job with um, – well, not really land a job, but as soon as I was able to get back to the FMF, they were more than willing to take me back and – I've been with them shit that long. So um, I do help with their testing um, and development on the products through KTM. Um, it's a racing brand. I pride myself to work with companies that support our sport and drive, move our sport forward. And, and, and SMF does that. They, they're a riding brand, they're a riding racing brand. You know, the Emlers themselves still ride George, the pipe man, the builder, the guy behind everything. He rides to the track to, on his, um, 1190 adventure so they really have their finger on the pulse as far as um what's going on and relevant in 2017 2018 no doubt and i'm I'm sure you are excited to hear that uh uh uh, big d donnie amler senior himself inducted into uh the the uh ama motorcycle hall of fame this year uh and uh, a very deserving of that uh, of that honor and uh i think i've i've mentioned it to to little d himself uh it's it's an iconic brand and they they stress performance and they deliver it and uh it's the relationship that they've developed between them, themselves and uh, the entire industry and just that culture that has uh basically cultivated um just that uh um that connection that that honestly like that sticker, that FMF logo can be found on pretty much every toolbox around the globe. Yeah, they, they, it's the passion. The passion drives it. They have they're passionate about the sport. Not saying other companies aren't, but they they don't forget about the little people, and they they they're touchable. They're attainable. They don't rest. They they're at every event that's around the globe, um, from factory Husqvarna Global, you know North America, and and the MXGP team and. You know, KTM Power Parts product, and um, you wait till the people, you know, the the KTM riders get their hands on that new um, uh, factory edition and the 2019 product. You know, they're going to be the first ones to market with that, and we're excited about what we came up with the settings on that new FMF product. Awesome, man. Well, as I said, I really appreciate you coming on the show and giving us some time to always taking my call. The bench racing is second to none. Uh, where can people find you on social media so they can follow the, your, your two wheel life as well as go on your blog, uh, which is, uh, my two wheel life.com. Yeah, I just, I'm, uh, putting up, you know, awesome photos of my kids and myself and riding and have fun with my GoPro at Sleet Dog, uh, S-L-E-E-T-D-A-W-G, and then my uh, blog blog post where I can razz my friends and talk a little more crap is uh, at My Two Hill Life, um, my two, at my two life dot com on and at My Two Life on Twitter and Facebook and uh, Instagram. There it is, my friend. Let you get on with the rest of your evening. Best of luck at the BMX track with your kid laying it down. Always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, we'll let you go right there. Thanks, dude. Hey, Big MX listeners. It's time for another commercial break. Please listen carefully to these, and we'll be right back to the show. Thanks. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. 
All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. Hey, Big MX fans. Thanks for listening to this podcast and hope you're enjoying it. I want you guys to head on over to TractionMX.com. TractionMX is the place to get your seat covers for any bike that you have, whether it be a Husqvarna, Kawasaki, Suzuki, Yamaha, KTM, you name it. These guys have a great seat cover for you. They're durable, they're flashy, they're eye-catching, and they're one-of-a-kind. The reason why they're one-of-a-kind is because you design your own. You pick the fabrics, you pick the ribs, you pick the everything all the way down to the stitching uh, color that they use on the seat cover itself. Traction MX is your one-stop shop to set your bike apart from the herd 110%. These seat covers start at just $69.95 American, and uh, the average turnaround is a one to two weeks. One to two weeks from now, you could have a bike that's looking completely different than it does right now. So head on over to TractionMX.com, start shopping, start designing, and make something special like for you today. Going viral with Viral Brand. Viral Brand is setting its sights on being one of the leading brands in the extreme sports market. From supercross to snowcross and snowboarding, and everything in between, Viral Brand is working hard to not only bring you premium products, quality eyewear, and killer style, but award-winning support with every sport. Head on over to theviralbrand.com and get tinted lenses, clear lenses, 10-packet tear-offs, and goggle bag for only $59.99. Viral Brand products are available in the U.S., Canada, and Australia and used exclusively by the Barn Pros Racing MX Home Depot Yamaha team for the 2017 season. Go viral with the viral brand. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by FMF. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, but with us on the line, we've got none other than Chris Johnson. Chris, how's it going? Oh, it's going pretty good. Can't complain. Hey, and who would listen if you did, right? <laughs> I know. You have a point there. Who, who's... uh? Who's going to listen now anyways, you know, I'm, I'm just a washed up dirt bike guy. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, for those who don't know, Chris Johnson, uh, 2000 yard rusher in the NFL, um, uh, CJ2K as you're known. Uh, it's a really pleasure to have you on the show, man. I definitely appreciate it. <laughs> well, wait, is, is that the same? You're, you're, this is the same, like Chris Johnson, the, the short little, uh, African American running back that recently got cut by the Arizona Cardinals. 
Uh, you know, I'll take what I can get. <laughs> Fair but enough. No, okay, no, well, I, I'm definitely, definitely not a short little uh, black guy that played for the Cardinals, but uh, <laughs> I, I would say six foot, Caucasian, uh, full blood American. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, at, uh, I do like either way. I do appreciate you taking my call, my friend. Uh, and uh, and it's it's going to be exciting to have you on because um, like it, I'm always talking to current racers or sometimes in the most uh, recent uh, occasion, Michael Sleater, a, a retired motocross racer. Uh, and and I guess uh, that that um, qualifies you as well, uh, having raced some uh, some professional races in in your own accord. Um, bef- bef- like, but let's let's spin the clocks back. Let, let's let's go to where the 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 love for two 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 wheel exhilaration started for you. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where this all started? Well, I originally started riding when I was four, um, and it was because my dad was a moto guy, uh, and I pretty much just went to the races because he raced, and I would ride around the track and just hang out with my family and stuff, and I never really took it serious. Uh, my dad always used to say that I, I just go to the track and hand out flowers to everybody. Um, <laughs> and then uh, when I was about, I'd say 15, it just kind of clicked. Um, I started getting better, and I got I got some help Team Green off-road. Um, and I rode Cowies growing up uh, for Team Green for about six years. Um, and then it just kind of kind of went from there. Um I, I got better and, and got more help. And each year we'd kind of sit down and uh, make a commitment as a family and, and kind of go from there. Fair enough. Now, uh, being from uh, being from California and, and being a Team Green guy, who are some of the guys that you grew up being a Team Green athlete with? Like, who are, who are some of the athletes that uh, were also getting some support and maybe some other people that can, people can uh, kind of use as reference as to some of the guys that you may have been banging, banging bars with uh, in a very hotly contested uh, West Coast scene? Yeah, you know what? I actually grew up in Washington, and okay. I, I came so up the hills, with Josh Hill and Ryan... Yeah, I came up with Josh Hill and then uh, Ryan Villapoto, um, and then there were some other good local guys. Um, but I, I pretty much grew up with Josh. Um, we were really close friends for a long time. And uh, I moved down to California in 2007. Um, whenever I signed, a, I, I signed a pretty big contract with Yamaha doing motocross. Um, but really, I would say, you know, as far as growing up and, and you know, on 80s and transitioning over into big bikes it was it was hill and bill photo fair enough now banging bars with those guys uh may you have uh had an opportunity to find yourself in a maybe a mini warriors video from back then because that was basically like if you were fast on 80s uh there was a good chance you'd find yourself in one of those or were you on the outside looking in from that situation yeah i was actually a mini warriors too i was right there you go <laughs> i think i was just out there hanging out um I really wasn't on eighties and stuff. I, I went to Loretta and did the seven to 11 class, but I was, I was back of the pack. Um, and we only did a couple of amateur nationals here and there, like a family vacation type deal. Um, and then I, I got more involved with off-road racing doing the work series and I had really good success with that. And what I did was I would do the amateur nationals, um, on my own dime and ended up doing pretty well in the B class on uh, Schoolboy, and then signed a deal with Yamaha in 2007 for a full factory deal, and, and just kind of went from there. 
boom. So full factory deal with uh, with Yamaha 2007. Uh, is that uh, would that have been the the Star Racing team, or would that have been actual factory Yamaha, uh, which actually uh, uh, that was like uh, Josh Hill ended up turning pro with those guys. So it was a White Brothers Yamaha deal. It was a factory okay. Yamaha amateur contract. Uh, it was me and Ben LeMay, um, and it uh, it kind of it, it was like. 2006 was really my breakout year. Um, I got second at Loretta's behind Trey Kennard. Um And then that's kind of whenever people noticed me. I did I did Lake Whitney, uh, Mammoth, and Loretta's in 2006 in the B class. And I think I podiumed all, all the races. Um, and that's what kind of got me in with Yamaha. And it was my A. So I signed, I signed with Yamaha in 2007 for my A year. And, uh, really? Wow. So that that was really the first time I had gotten factory support for doing motocross stuff. Uh, before it was all all off road stuff with Cowie, and uh, it, it was it was kind of it was I I don't really know how to explain the feeling because like I always grew up you know motocross was in my heart but I always got help doing off road um, and Donnie Luce stepped up and uh, it was it was really big deal for me to get that help with Yamaha. And I, I had an okay year. Um, you know, I was consistently top five. Uh, it, it was the same year. So the A class that year was Kennard, Izzy, Stroop, and Haunt. And I was always kind of mixing it up with those guys. Um, and that was kind of when the economy hit, you know, here in the States. Yeah. Um, and I was actually offered a star contract for 2009. Um but I turned it down because I didn't have a lot of supercross and motocross experience. And, and my dad, you know, we all sat, sat down at Loretta's and uh, we decided to turn it down. I signed a letter of intent with the Yamaha to stay amateur another year on the same program. Um, and then that's when White Brothers ended up going out of business. Yamaha cut their budget and I was kind of kind of left with nothing for, for 2009 and kind of had to regroup and... Uh, and figure out what, what I was going to do. No doubt. That's a, uh, uh, unfortunate turn of events, honestly, uh, with the sale, the sale of, uh, of White Brothers as a, uh, basically a distributor. And then they basically closed up shop, uh, I think within, uh, within a calendar year, they were done, um, which basically leaves you, uh, uh, with, with just, just kind of, just out on the street. Uh, how do you pick yourself up after that? Uh, given the fact that you'd um, like the, that there isn't honestly a ton of money in off-road racing, especially back then. And uh, to go race a, uh, a 250F in either Supercross or Outdoor Nationals is uh, is no uh, cheap venture. Um, what were what were your best options at that point? So at that time, I, everything happened so fast. Like I literally had everything and and it all got taken away and i i really didn't know what to do um but uh zip tie racing um offered me a deal and it was on suzuki's for you know that was 2008 so the end of yeah so the end of 07 that all happened 2008 i uh i ended up signing a deal with zip tie racing um and it was suzuki support and i went back to off-road doing work Okay, so like the work series, uh, obviously for for it was, that, that's a totally different skill set than outdoor motocross. Um, like, wh- wh- what was what was your success level at that point? Or there's like there's a huge variety of who you'd be racing with at the uh, in those classes. 
Yeah, and and to be honest, 2008 wasn't a very memorable year. Um, I struggled with injuries. I struggled with bike setup, and really just the the whole program. Um, it was tough, and and I was bitter because, you know, I, I made the mistake of turning down the star contract, and and uh, you know that that was my dream, freaking to have a, a factory ride and the race supercross so i was kind of kind of torn and i struggled in 2008 i had i had decent results um but it wasn't a it wasn't a stellar year no doubt that, that, like it, that's got to be a hit to the confidence as well yeah i i definitely struggled mentally that year um i definitely learned a lot uh, i was still young i think i was 18 years old um and it, it was definitely a learning year. I mean, I, I learned a lot not only with with myself and racing, but as far as the whole the whole business side of things and and learning how to how to deal with everything, uh, you know, in real life situation. Um, and it, you know, I look back now and and I don't regret anything. And I and you know, I definitely learned something from it, and I, I apply that today. So, you know, I, I can't really complain. No doubt, and like it's like it, obviously it'd be uh, um a, a, like kind of a, a tough pill to swallow as far as um uh, putting that much work and effort into riding and then have things not really pan out. Uh, in the closing stages of your professional career and, and trying to make a go of things, uh, was there a lot of frustration and and kind of just like making riding a motorcycle, which for all those who have had the the pleasure of doing so, there's an absolute pure exhilaration. Uh, was that more of a chore for you? You know, it was, and really that whole year I was riding hurt, um, and it wasn't fun. You know, I was kind of struggling all around. Uh, you know, me, m- myself mentally, and and uh, just dealing with with the whole thing. It kind of all hit me at once. I was young. I didn't really know what to do or think, and um, it, it was just really a shock and, you know, I didn't, I didn't really know what to do. I, I did my best and, and I, uh, I just tried to make the best of it and, and get the results that, that I got. No doubt. Now, like what were some of your uh, highlights as far as, uh, riding uh, professional motocross or, or like, did you end up riding any supercross races or, uh, outdoor nationals? And uh, if so, what was your best result? Uh, yeah, I, I actually, so 2008 was a struggle. 2009, I kind of dabbed into Supercross as a privateer. Um, I want to say I just jumped straight into the 450 class and, you know, didn't have stellar results, but I, I made okay money making the night show and trying to get into the main. Um, and then I did 09, I kind of bounced back and forth. 2010, I didn't do any Supercross. I did some work stuff at the beginning of the year um i actually signed a deal with with factory suzuki to do that and did i think five rounds of outdoors i started at hangtown um did hangtown colorado and then i got picked up by rockstar suzuki to do the remainder of the season i was riding mariah's bike and i i want to say I ended up 11th overall, maybe, at Washougal. Um, that's, that's no joke. Yeah. Yeah, to be honest, I don't really know how my overall finish was, but I, I had some good results, and then I was supposed to finish out the year with them, 
2010, but I was contracted with Suzuki to do work stuff, and Unadilla conflicted, so I ended up going to Washington doing the work stuff, and and kind of lost the whole fill-in deal, which you know I I learned from, and like my my whole career, and really my personality, I never burnt any bridges, and I always kept good relationships with people that that always had my back, and. You know, I kind of look back at it, and I don't regret the decision I made because I, I made a commitment, and I, I followed through with it. But at the same time, if I would have just said, hey, you know, I'm not going to finish off the off-road stuff. I'm going to continue doing the stuff with Rockstar. I, I really still believe that my whole career would have been different. Because um, I, I was getting better every race. I was getting more in tune with the bike. Um, and I had a good relationship with the team. Um but, you know, shit happens, and, and you learn from it, and, you know, I, I can't explain where I'm at today, so. Well, no doubt, and uh, who who are some of your teammates that particular year? I'm trying to think of, of, of the riders for that team. Was that, uh, that's not um, Blake, Blake Wharton, is it? Uh, no, who was on the team that year? I want to say it was Baggett. Uh, Sipes? Tommy Hahn, Tommy Hahn Marias, and... Um, I'm trying to think if that was Sipes or not. It it, it was an Aussie. Uh, oh. oh, what is his name? Aussie. He was number forty that year. And it, Moss. It was Moss. Jake Moss. Oh, that's right. Is Matt Moss? Uh, I think it was Jake. Jake Moss. It Jake might, Moss. It might have that's been right. Matt though. Well, there. It's tough to distinguish between the two, but yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. It was Jake Moss. Uh, and, um, yeah, like, like, what was it like working with, uh, Bobby Hewitt and a kind of like a, like, we're not really a fledgling team, but a team that hadn't been in the pros very long. Uh, what, what was your uh, relationship with that guy? A guy who uh, is like, honestly, pretty brutally honest. Oh yeah. Bobby, Bobby don't mess around. Um, and, and it, I always got along well with him and, uh, Bill Keep was actually the team manager and he's, he's cut through it too. He's, he says how it is. And, uh, you know, I gelled well with them. Um, I always took constructive criticism, you know, fairly well. And, uh, you know, I really wouldn't take it to heart. But they, they definitely taught me a lot in that short period of time. And, uh, you know, really they kind of helped me with with my stuff down the road, um, just dealing with, with different people and different personalities and stuff. So, uh, you know, I get along with Bobby still to this day, and I still talk to Bill every once in a while. So, you know, it's it's all been good. Well, there you go. Now, uh, like when when things uh, kind of didn't work out as far as uh, like the, the scheduling and and your obligations to do work series at the end of that year, uh, why wasn't you you able to uh, kind of pick at, pick that pick up where you left off in the following year to uh, to ride some more supercrosses or or ride some uh, some some nationals for those guys? Well, it was uh, I was really on the verge of kind of make it or break it i was right at that point you know almost a top guy but i was a solid guy and i just kind of needed that little extra nudge um but with me not filling in you know the rest of the year and showing my my true potential and consistency um you know i think that that was a major part of it um and i'm trying to think at the end of that year there there wasn't really very many rides um, a lot of good dudes, you know, that, that showed what they can do where, you know, they all needed rides and there, there really wasn't that many spots. Um, 
and I think I think the year after that, I uh, I put together with a deal with LeMay and Yamaha, and we were supposed to do all the all the outdoors. He was gonna ride a 450. I was gonna ride a 250, and that that was kind of a screwed up year. Um, it was a it was a private funded deal, and I was writing a bunch of bad checks, and the lady still. Did, did you ever did you ever hear of that velocity MX deal with uh, I think it was Chisholm and it might have been Blows and yeah it was Blows and uh, and Canary it was the uh, velocity zero because it never really got off the ground yeah so the lady that was funding that was funding my deal the year before and okay. she's all just fuck she she blows smoke up everybody's ass. And I, I honestly can't believe that Yamaha was was uh, supporting the whole deal the next year because she wrote bad checks to Yamaha and owed Yamaha a bunch of money. And the the whole thing was just a freaking joke. Yeah. You're like, so, fool me once, shame on me. Shame, fool me twice. No, sh- fool, fool, me twi- fool me once, shame on you. F- fool me twice, shame on me. Yamaha may be hoping that they would uh, give her a second chance to make good on some of those dollars that they were owed and uh, just end up more in the in, in the hole because, uh, yeah, that, that program uh, – never really got going there there's a lot of money that was never paid out to that and uh um honestly spelled spelled the end of, of some promising uh like a year for, and like that that could be devastating to a career to have uh next to no results uh based on the fact that you just don't have the funds that you you were relying on yeah so what happened the year that i dealt with there is we had all our shit ready and the motorhome was loaded i did hang town i got all my, I hired mechanics, like the whole deal. I did hang town, and then my dad and I just had this weird feeling, and and we were already kind of, we were already written some bad checks, but it wasn't a a bunch of money. And then after hang town, I uh, <laughs> after hang town, it kind of all hit the fan, and I realized none of the bikes were paid for, and uh, and I gave all the shit back. Wow, that and, uh, is... yeah, it, it was kind of a messed up deal, and and really that whole year was just a waste. So I, I ended up really not racing in 2011. Yeah, and like like I mentioned, like having a year where you don't have results or like you're kind of out of sight, out of mind. Good luck trying to get uh, somebody to uh, to have faith in you or have, like uh, give you an opportunity um, without any uh, like anything to go off of on paper to say that you can get the job done. Yeah, so 2011, no results. 2012, I did a privateer deal on a Honda and got hurt at the second round of Supercross. So 2012 was a shit year as well. And then luckily in 2013, uh, Christina Denny gave me an opportunity to ride for them. And I did East Coast Supercross and outdoors for them. Um, And it was kind of up and down year. I mean, I had some, some decent rounds i would say but i i pretty much rolled rode that whole year hurt um and that was really my last year year racing full-time 
No doubt. Christina is one – she is good people, and it's great to hear that she was able to help you out uh, and get some great results. Um, what what, what uh, At what point do you uh, – like, like you kind of like for, for real, like threw in the towel and decided to uh, uh, enjoy, in this, enjoy the sport of motocross on the same level that a guy like myself does, a uh, bit of a weekend warrior, riding as, much, as often as I can, and, uh, and ultimately um, providing yourself with an income in another way? Uh, it was the end of that year. I, ro- I rode the whole year hurt. And I, I lacerated my liver and ruptured my spleen. And it, it kind of opened up my eyes. I wasn't getting paid that much money. I was laid up in the hospital and in ICU for a few days. And it, it just wasn't worth the risk. Um, you know, I came back after that and struggled. Uh, I don't think I had any good results after that injury. And no one really, like, I didn't look hurt. Um, so everybody was kind of wondering what was going on because I wasn't producing. And it was just really a struggle on my end because, you know, I wasn't going to make up any excuses or anything, but I couldn't I couldn't perform. Um, so I decided, you know, at the end of that year that it just wasn't worth the risk and, and for what I was getting paid. Uh, and I, I was pretty bitter at the end of that year just because I still had the speed and potential, but I didn't you know, I wasn't healthy. Um, I couldn't do what, what I was capable of. No kidding. Uh, that is frustrating. Anyone that uh, has been at the top level is able to, to ride the way they know how. And uh, if things are holding you back from that is not easy whatsoever. Um, like how, how often do you ride nowadays? What, uh, what do you do to kind of look yeah. to uh, contribute to the industry as far as testing or uh, some, some shootouts and stuff like that? Uh, and and uh, where, where can people find uh, more, more info on uh, your, your riding to this day? Uh, so I actually have one of BTO, K- well, it's Rocky Mountain KTM now. Um, I have one of their bikes. I do a little bit of testing for them here and there. Um, not much, but Kiefer kind of took me under his wing and I'm doing his shootouts this year and he kind of uses me for, for miscellaneous things. Um, so, you know, you, you can see me messing around with Kiefer here and there. Uh, and I definitely enjoy, you know, riding more now, um, it's not necessarily a job. I do it for fun. Um, totally. And I, I can still throw it down on a bike and look good. So there you go. Well, that, that honestly, like, uh, if, if anything, uh, the gift of a professional career can, can, it can be that is that, uh, anywhere, anytime you can roll up to a track and, and know that you're within, uh, probably the top 10 fastest guys, uh, at that particular facility at any moment, unless maybe you're going to, uh, Glen Helen on a Thursday, uh, right before, uh, the nationals break out. Cause that's just the stopwatch nationals. That's, uh, we, we know that to be true, but, uh, um, like when, when you're working with Kiefer, that guy always has the best looking gear, the best looking stuff. How do you compete uh, on, on like a, on a fashion standpoint with a guy who's literally got a tickle trunk full of the coolest gear at all times? Well, you know, I have some pretty rad companies that still support me. Um, Answers always coming out with some good stuff. Um, I'm always in a bell helmet, and Alpha Stars has always had my back, so I, I'm always looking good. You know. And Kiefer, Kiefer's, uh, I'm pretty sure I need to get the best dress award, you know, at the next shootout. So, <laughs> um, but he, he definitely knows how to do it right. And he, he always looks good. And, and I think that's 
that's really how I got in with him is because I look good in photos. Um, when he was originally a dirt rider, he would always call me for the shootout and stuff, and I'd always come out on photo day just because because I look good. Uh, yeah, not necessarily. I you know I I can't really go that fast anymore, so that's kind of out the window. <laughs> hey, you don't have to be going fast to look good in a still image, my friend. I am proof of that. Um, the guys over at Fly always helping me out, making sure that I look uh, pretty good, and that's probably why I don't post too many uh, full. Uh, uh, full speed videos of my uh, of my riding. I was I was talking to Tyler Bowers about it one time, and uh, he he explained it. It goes this way: Is it when you're when you're when you're not very fast, you you put up pictures. When you're slow, you put up uh, like a slow motion video. And then when you're finally up to race pace, then you can post full uh, like a like a real time video. Uh, and uh, like for me, I'm not quite there yet. Uh, so like I, I, I'm I'm in the photo stage. I'm not even at slow mo video yet. <laughs> you know he's got a point freaking i i don't want anybody posting any videos of me right now <laughs> fair enough now you mentioned that you're going to go uh work on your razor uh are, are are you taking the uh the mod the modifications and uh and skills of uh of a motocross career over to the uh the razor racing uh realm or what i i'd say i'm trying to i uh i did the work series this past year in a in a the pro stock class and I think I finished, I want to say half the rounds I maybe finished. And yeah. it's because I was driving the thing like a dirt bike. And I, I definitely learned a lot this year, and it's definitely a, a whole different world. Um, but I'm having fun with it, and, and I learned a lot. And I'm kind of taking that with me and uh, going to go for it again next year. Fair enough, man. Well, we wish you the best of luck with that. Uh, uh, weigh, weigh in for me, if you could, the uh, the straight rhythm that just happened this last weekend, the, the Red Bull straight rhythm. Uh, is that First of all, is that an event that you would have loved to have raced or, or competed in when you were an active racer? And when you watch it, like, uh, are you amazed as to uh, uh, how many riders aren't there or, or the, just the, the level of competition? Because... Um, I, I was amazed at the fact that like guys like Marvin Moosecan are there and Brock Tickle, but uh, after that, uh, the talent pool seemed to really drop off. I almost feel like uh, uh, they, they they really had to, uh, they really need to do a better job of bringing in some more top flight riders because uh, um, it just the, the, the there was those first few rounds. Like I think that first round was uh, uh, there was some guys like it, 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 it was some pretty easy wins there. Uh, yeah, and I, I really don't think, I don't know, the whole straight rhythm thing to me, I mean, it's a, definitely a cool event, and it was fun to watch, um, but as far as getting getting more dudes there and, and more competition and stuff, it's going to be tough just because it's so close to Monster Cup, there really is no yeah. off-season, and, and it's a Red Bull event, and that's, that's really the only reason that I see Muskin and, and, you know, all the KTM guys. Right, that's know, the only reason. Pretty much just every, yeah, yeah, it's just. Red Bull athletes and everyone else, you know, it's dudes that are still looking for rides or, or trying to show, you know, that they, that you can produce. Um, but as far as like the other factory dudes and stuff, I just don't see them doing it. Um, yeah, especially my, a monster really athlete or a rock star athlete. Like, uh, those, those other energy drinks that are like, oh, we're not going to that event. We're not supporting that event because that's, that's like, they would love that, wouldn't they? Sort of thing. Yeah, and I I really think it's more up to the riders. I mean, the dudes get burnt out, and they don't really want to get ready and, and do an event that's 
not going to, you know, they're not going to get paid from it. Yeah. Got to make that money. Um, and like, so as a fan, when you're watching it, when you watch that, like, what was your favorite part about the straight rhythm? You're watching the, like, two strokes, uh, 250, the 250F class was, uh, a bit of a snoozer in the fact that, uh, the only real contenders was the, the TLD guys. And of course, those guys, uh, battled it out. And that, like, they probably could have just had a, uh, a team battle, really, <laughs> with the four of them. Unfortunately, Jordan Smith got hurt. But, uh, what was your favorite part about watching that, that event? Honestly, I think the whole event, I mean, it's its cool and it's a cool concept, but it's not really that exciting. And Ronnie Mack makes the show. Yes. But, but that's, that's the only reason I went and watched it is because I was going to see that and I knew it was going to be, he, he was going to be fun to watch. Other than that, you know, I, I really didn't care about the whole deal. Fair enough, and that's a, I, I appreciate your honesty. I, I, I honestly, for myself, when I was watching um, – the 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 battle for third place and i know they had to do the race so that they can determine who was third or or, or whatever but like honestly i i really don't think that needs to be a bat like a best of three series uh to see who got third and um it just seemed like uh like it, it really sort of dragged on like i think there's some tweaking there to make it a better show and uh honestly the two guys that were like kind of like the least likely or the least Probably making the least amount of money while being there, uh, Garrett Steinke and uh, and Ronnie Mack. Those guys uh, stole the show. They they that guaranteed like Marvin Muscan and uh, and and um, Shane McElrath are sitting there being like I like my my the. This crowd is going nuts for everybody other than the, the main uh, contenders. It was pretty cool to like just to see that and see how the fans reacted to uh, both Ronnie Mack and uh, the Stank Dog. Which I'm sure, actually, you probably raced him a little bit growing up as well, because you guys are about the same age. Yeah, and he's from the Northwest, so yeah, I, I think I, I remember racing him on 60s, and he always did. He have a mustache ass. back then. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. I'm freaking. I'm 28 years old and still can't grow one. Fair enough. Well, uh, I, I'm also <laughs> born in. Are you 88 or 89? 89. 89. Fair enough. We're both late 80s, and uh, yeah, there's let. Uh, um, I, I like the, something about being Canadian allows me to grow a pretty uh, decent beard. But uh, yeah, like I, I, like Stank Dog must have some Canadian in him or something like that because that guy has uh, some pretty epic facial hair. I know, right? I'm I'm a little bit jealous. No kidding. But uh, Chris, it's it's been a pleasure to have you on my show, man. Like uh, it's been a long time coming. We started talking about a week or so ago and trying to to, to nail this down. Um, like I said, where can people find you on social media, my friend? Uh, people love to like like, it, like Instagram is all about photos, and you'd mentioned that you look good on a motorcycle, so I know you'd love to share that, and people would love to look at it. <laughs> I say I look good, you know, fifty percent of the time, but. Uh... <laughs> Now, all, all my social media stuff's the same. It's Johnson 354 whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I don't really get on Facebook much, but uh, you can uh, you can find me at Johnson 354 Perfect, man. Well, I look forward to seeing you in the, uh, the Kiefer Inc.-tested uh, shootouts and uh, hopefully also with a best-dressed trophy uh, to your credit. And uh, it's been a pleasure to have you, have you on my show, my friend. I really appreciate the time. No, I definitely appreciate you taking the time with uh, with myself, and and uh, good luck with with all you got going on. Absolutely, we'll have you on again sometime. Talk about some Supercross, maybe even do some race reviews. Right on, sounds good.